Yeah. So I guess the question is, who who should be writing hymns nowadays? Mm. Well, my answer is the only right answer. <laughs> and I know you're going to agree with me, although you might chuckle. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Hymn Partial, the podcast where we talk all things church music. I'm Monet Funka. And I'm Cara Devereaux. And today we're talking to pastor and hymn writer Dustin Battles. We're talking about his history with hymn writing, why hymn writing is helpful to the pastor, and the surprising parallels between preaching and writing songs for the church. And for our newsletter subscribers first, and everyone else eventually, this week's bonus clip, um, Dustin shares with us a hymn from his very own pen and the encouraging heart behind it. But first, we have a favor to ask. If you are a regular listener to our podcast, would you do us a huge favor and consider leaving us a five-star review for us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast? That really helps grow our exposure to folks just like you who maybe have never heard of our show and would be eager to listen. Also, consider signing up for our free weekly newsletter or supporting this podcast financially on Ko-fi. Links for the newsletter and our Ko-fi page can be be found at himpartial.com. Head over to himpartial.com and consider supporting this podcast today. So we uh, we have a really cool guest on today. I'm sure you're not surprised. All of our guests are really cool or else we wouldn't have them on. Um, but Dustin Battles is just this really like interesting character who has this rich history with hymn writing. He knows tons of people in the hymn writing world in terms of modern hymn writing. Um, it has all these secret connections. And so he came up on our radar and we, and we had him on um, to talk about just his experience and give us some of his insights on, on um, how hymn writing and hymnity uh, is has impacted him in his walk and as a pastor and as a writer himself. I really enjoyed the conversation. I felt like we actually did, what you guys don't know, is that we actually did talk for two hours. You're only getting a little snippet of it. <laughs> yeah, it was so good. Like, we could have talked a whole lot longer as well. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really interesting conversation, and I found it really helpful. Um, mm. I love the hymn that he shares in the bonus clip, but you'll just have to wait for that. But in the actual Ooh. episode, he talked about, like, the parallels between how preaching works and, like the point in preaching and the point in hymn writing. And you would be surprised, I know I was, at um, how much of it kind of really comes together and how much of it's very similar. Yeah, he also says who really should be writing hymns. You might be surprised by his answer, um, but I won't spoil it. You're just going to have to listen. And without further ado, here's the episode. Dustin believed in Christ around the age of 10, following the preaching of God's word. He is privileged to have been raised in a Christian family and has felt the burden to pastor since he was a young child. He pursued that burden by studying at Bob Jones University, where he earned a Master of Arts in Pastoral Studies and a Master of Divinity. 
He's ministered in churches in South Carolina and Pennsylvania before being called to pastor Mercy Baptist Church in 2015, where he serves to this day. Dustin also writes hymns, psalms, and spiritual songs for the church. His works are published with Beckenhurst Press, Grace Church, Church Works Media, and others. He has sung professionally with The Vocal Ensemble. Dustin is married to Megan, whom he met through their mutual love of music, and they have two sons, Clark and Jonah. Dustin, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You guys are legends. Oh. Him world. It's great <laughs> to be part of you. Well, we're really excited to have you on. I'm always uh, really encouraged by um, who how this show kind of opens doors for us to meet new people just around the world. And it definitely was the case for you. Um, and I don't know, I, I don't know if you remember in our correspondence before we had you on the show, I was saying how my husband actually had us singing one of your hymns in our family worship. And I was like, yeah. what is this? Who is this guy? And, uh, <laughs> and we loved it. And it was a great, it was a great time. So Knowing yeah. all of this background about you and 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 your love for uh, worship broadly and church worship in terms of music, yeah. we were like, we got to get this guy on the show. <laughs> Glad to be part of it. Especially, you guys are very like minded theologically and music philosophy and all that. It's it's cool to to have some like minded people to ch- chat with. I hadn't realized quite how diverse the music world was until we started doing this. Like I knew it was diverse, but I didn't realize quite how broad a spectrum there is. Yeah. So as we mentioned, you're a hymn writer and pastor yourself, uh, a combination that used to be the norm. So could you tell us a little bit about um, your history um, and how you found yourself writing hymns in ministry? Yeah, that's that's a funny because... When I started writing hymns, I wasn't a pastor at all. I was a normal Christian who attended church and was a member and got involved. Yeah. And so before I'm a hymn writing pastor, I guess you could just say I'm a hymn writing Christian. Mm-hmm. And by the way, most of the hymns that I write never make it off my computer just because <laughs> they're just not good enough. So I've written a lot of hymns that, <laughs> that sit there and occasionally I'll pull one off and I'll tweak it and make it workable for public use. But for the most part, they just sit there on my, my laptop, the cloud or whatever the case may be. And I write lyrics and hymns and Psalms, occasionally something that doesn't really fit any of those categories. So I just call that a, a spiritual song or something like Mm -hmm. so my journey started in 2010 when I had um, a, a man who eventually became kind of like a friend to me. Do you guys know the name? Anderson, hymn writer from the U.S. It rings a bell. He wrote so. His Robes Fine and My Jesus Fair and For the Sake of His Name. You should have him on, on your show. He just wrote a okay. book called Theology That Sticks, and it's about Ooh. to come out with endorsements from John MacArthur to Keith Getty to Steve Green. Um, you got to have him on your show. Anyway, okay. Chris Anderson became a friend of mine um, through hymn writing, and we were chatting and things like that online, and and he encouraged me to get into it and just take a, an existing uh, hit, hit text and just kind of pattern whatever I want to write on that. So he mm. said, in his case, was Abide With Me, Fast Falls the Even Tide, which I hear is quite the classic in UK. Yeah. And uh, he, 
he used that meter and pattern to read his hymn, His Robes for Mine, which is a fantastic hymns, hymn that our church just loves. And oh. so I thought, you know what, I might be able to, to do that. So I started messing around with things and they were mostly flops. The, the rhymes were slant and they, they were not great. But um, my first public hymn to be used was at, actually at my wedding. I surprised oh. my wife with a song that I had wrote to her, oh. uh, words and music, and I sang to her and um, that was my first introduction to the hymn world. And, and as I look back upon it, the poetry is not great. The scheme doesn't really work, but it was the most loving thing I could come up with to do for my wife. Uh, oh, 11, so no, sweet. not 11 no, years ago. That's yeah. really sweet. <laughs> and so at first it's stuff is kind of like a, a fun thing to do. When I was talking with Chris and, and, and messing around with different words, it kind of was like a Scrabble game or like Wordle, which is super popular right now. And, you know, trying to figure out the right words that go in here and using synonyms and making the, 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 the meter height and things like that. But it just ended up with a lot of poor hymns because they were just all indicatives. God mm. did this. Jesus did this. The Bible did this. And I realized shortly that the best hymns are good and, and are long lasting because they have an experiential aspect as the Puritans would say that an experimental aspect to them. Hmm. And they even have sometimes an imperative aspect to them. You must do this or go do this, go to the world for the sake of his name. That's a Chris Anderson hymn. So in that way, it's kind of like a sermon there. There's a response that's necessary. It's a, it's the cry of a, of a person's heart. Mm -hmm. So like I was listening to your episode with Kevin Twitz, who loves the Ann Steele text, dear refuge of my weary on the UN sorrows rise. And it's just this cry from the heart. It's, it's not, it's not just like taking a verse or a concept like the authority of God's word or the efficiency, efficiency of the Bible or the deity of Christ and saying, here's who he is the end. It, mm -hmm. There's call to it, a heart cry. You might say like, for instance, um, that old Wesley Jesus lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly on my, my favorite songs. Mm. And so I started to realize, you know, I could do something like that. Just let it be the cry of my own heart. So that kind of started me down the hymn writing journey, which was to, to express the thoughts and concerns and the cares of my own heart and use biblical texts to do so. Uh, to take um, a text that the Lord has been working in my heart and saying, Let's, let me craft something that sounds like what I would pray or what I would mm -hmm. preach. Mm. And uh, you know, there, there's an occasion here or there where I'll write something for a particular occasion, like church's 50th anniversary celebration was last year. So I wrote a hymn for that. But for the part, my hymns are just out of the, the grief and the sorrow and the, the lament to God. And I want that to be a, a very personal thing in that regard. So, mm. so to answer your question, which was, um, how'd you get into writing as a pastor? That's kind of the, the pastor side of things. And then as a pastor, I've actually not mm, as much as you might think as a pastor, just because it, it, pastoring is a hard gig. You're busy. <laughs> it, it takes, uh, takes a lot of focus and energy and, yeah. um, I'm preparing every week and that is, is a little bit different than, than hymn writing. 
But then again, I have used a lot of um, old texts that I'll find in like really old hymnals mm-hmm. and I will modernize them to be used in our own church here. So for instance, I came across old hymn for about baptism called sweet, the sign that now reminds me. And I was going to have us use it, but the text was just, it was really antiquated. It used a word that we know what it means, or we think we know what it means, but that's not how the author was using it. The word cross, our minds go straight to the cross of Jesus, but Mm -hmm. they meant trial and tribulation. I thought, Mm -hmm. well, I can't use that word, um, which has a, a name for it when it's it means something different now than it than it used to so i said okay i'll just update it i just took a couple hours and and just sat there with pen and pencil and, and then eventually on the computer and just kept tweaking it until i came up with the text how the sacred sign reminds me and it has mm-hmm. modern words to it so i do quite a bit of things like that i also have written some unique texts like um you might call it a psalm text even though it's not from the psalms it's a, it's a pretty st- tight um, uh, metricization of first Corinthians 15 called Christ arose. And really? you can, it's, a, it's an, Easter, it's an Easter text. And there's not a lot of great tunes that go for it, but you can use the tune. I don't know if you guys sing this in the UK for the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus yeah. saves. Yeah. So I, we sang it to that one. And, um, and that was kind of fun to sing that. And then there's the one that I, I mentioned for our 50th anniversary. I also wrote one for a missions conference one year, but those tend to be hard and more few and far between because writing for an occasion is just not easy. Um, So Mm -hmm. to answer your question, I write hymns not only as a pastor, but more importantly, just as a follower of Christ. And it's the, the outflow of my heart there. That's what, that's what ends up being a hymn that's used, whether in our church or in some other church. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think, I think it's great to hear kind of your history, just uh, how you kind of progress through your, I don't want to say the word matured, but yeah, how you matured through your experience with writing and, and that's the right word. who yeah. you were writing for. And, and that's just really lovely to hear because uh, everyone's journey is a little different. You know, we've talked to quite a few hymn writers on this show and it's just really interesting to hear your your background. I feel like the next question is a bit cheeky, given all that you said, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, with uh, with such a rich heritage of hymns that we have, you've mentioned some of them. Why should folks like yourself write hymns and psalms for the church today? Do we really need new hymns or new uh, psalms? Um, you know, metrical psalms. Well, this might be a cop out, but the answer is yes and no. Um, no, and then that we in the English language have a breadth and a depth of hymnology and psalmody that, unless I'm mistaken, is it far surpasses other spoken language today. Hmm. So we have a, a wealth that, that we can, I mean, I have right here at my desk, I keep uh, probably about 15 hymnals and then I got about 25 or 30 more on the shelf here. And then I got about 25 or more on the shelf in there. And we, and these are common, uh, mm-hmm the last 20 years that's how people sang hymns was they grabbed their hymnal and they they grabbed up and okay let's go to the section on um the incarnation of jesus and we'll sing about jesus becoming man Mm -hmm. um 
but that being said, sometimes there are better ones that are written today. Um, or they might even be better in the sense that the older ones, as good as they may be, are just becoming a little archaic. Hmm. Uh, be thou my vision. You know, if, if you've ever sung this before, this is a lot of the thys and thous, and, and that's just going to become less and less understandable as time goes on. A mighty fortress is our God, a, a bulwark never failing. What in the world's a bulwark, you know? I know you sing that hymn in the same way that we do here in the States, but that, that's, a, that's one that is common over here. Um, it is a, uh, I think this is the right way to use the word, a banger. Is that the right UK yeah. usage of the word? Yeah. I was actually Almighty thinking of um, that other song, uh, Praise Him, Praise Him, Jesus, my blessed Redeemer. Yeah. There's a line that says, no longer thy portals are cheerless. Oh. And our pastor has to explain that every time. He's like, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or there's another one. I think it be the church is one foundation. It talks about hoary heads, which is white hair, gray hair yeah. on your heads. Oh. But I mean, that, that makes no sense. H O A R Y hoary heads. It just doesn't make any things like that are just going to go by the wayside as time goes on. Um, Mm -hmm. But nevertheless, some of them are classic for more than one reason. You know, for instance, come thou almighty King, thy name to sing. When you look through the stanzas, each of them address a person of the Godhead and Mm -hmm. summary. And then the last stanza, it's, it's amazing, but it does have the, the word vow and there's these, and stuff in there so it's gonna eventually fall by the wayside but there's a reason the church has been using it for for generations so i, I don't think that we have to necessarily say yes we have to have new hymns or no we can't have new hymns you just use the best that are out there because in the end songs don't have to be for church universal for all time they can just be for the church at my place at this time. Mm. So I don't have to write a, a hymn, say I modernized the one for the baptism service a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it may no one else in the history of Christianity until Lord's Lord comes back ever uses that hymn. Mm. That's okay. It's used in this particular setting. And in this particular case, I presented our uh, person being baptized with like six or seven different baptisms. Is, um, bab- baptizing hymns. I said, which one do you want to sing? Because there's not a lot of great ones in the English language, which that's a topic for a different conversation. But anyway, so I didn't say, which one do you like best? And he's like, oh, this one is so perfect. Yeah. And so I thought, let's use it. We just got to update the words a little bit. And also hymns don't necessarily have to be, or I should say songs, psalms, songs, or hymns. They don't have to be written for the church capital C. They can just be a devotional exercise open up your journal on any particular day and write a little uh, hymn down. It doesn't be as good as Isaac Watts or Charles Wesley. It can just be your heart and mind being mastered by the word of God as you sit there and meditate on it and pray through it. Mm. It's so true. And I think it's a good exercise as well because it helps you really think through like what you're reading in the Bible as well to rephrase it and try and structure it like that. Yeah. Um, at least if you're a creative, if you're not a creative, it could be your worst nightmare. So, so I encourage people to write him. I've had people that, oh, I just love hymns and I'd love to be able to write someday. And I'm like, well, just got start notebook sometime. and, and just start writing something. It doesn't have to be so good that the 
Universal sings it for the next 100 years, like in Christ mm. Alone or something. Mm. It, it can just be something you appreciate, and, and it's the cry of your own heart as you feast upon God and His Word. Mm. Yep. So true. So when we were talking about getting you on the show, you mentioned being a pastor, that um, hymn writing is analogous to preaching. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. So could you explain this a bit more of what you meant yeah. by that? Well, think of sermons at your church. Hopefully they are not just an oral commentary. This is what this verse says. This is what this verse said. The end. It's designed <laughs> to compel a response. It can't just be like, and so Abraham walked over here and he said to Isaac and he did this. There's a connection to who Jesus is, what he's done, what it means for us, and a call to him. And the same thing with, with illustration and application. It can't be just plain doctrine. It's got to be uh, illustration. You know, if your pastor just stood up there every Sunday and, and all he did was just basically give a systematic or a biblical theology and just for 30, 45 minutes, you might learn a lot of things, but it wouldn't be the same. Thing as if he used some illustrations to help prove his point. So this past Sunday, I was talking about um, spiritual gifts from Romans 12, 3 through 8. That was my sermon passage. And I used the illustration of stretching, how I've had some back issues and, and how the doctors have said, I need to do more stretching so that my back is not as nearly as tight. And yeah. I said, God has gifted us with all these different gifts, but we might not necessarily realize how we could grow in one particular area. So we need to be stretched. And there's illustrations like that all over him writing too. And mm. once you start to notice them, you realize, oh, they're everywhere. That's what mm. good him, a good him. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, strength, my song. I mean, the, there's all sorts of illustrations and analogies. Mm. And, and there's application too. No, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. You have to have the application too. All good hymns also have a good balance of law and gospel, meaning that law is, is obviously pointing us, Romans 7, that you can't do it. You, you have to, to submit yourself to Jesus no matter uh, how hard you try. You cannot make yourself right with God or make yourself mm -hmm. a better person. Mm -hmm. You are too sinful for this. But Jesus makes us right with God through his death and and so then we get to have the privilege of using the law in a whole way now. It is no longer a master over us, but a blueprint that we can look at God and see him in his holiness and say, wow, here's who he is. And I want to be like him as I fall in obedience. And similarly, good hymns have the same thing. Mm. Sermons, hymns all have this excellent balance between law and gospel. In every sermon, here's what usually happens. At the beginning of the week, I'm just like, oh man, I don't know if I have enough to say about this passage in 30, 45 minutes. Like, I don't know how I'm going to fit or, I don't know how I'm going to find enough to say in 30 and 45 minutes. While studying, I end up going, oh no, how am I going to fit all of this into the sermon? So I have to speak very concisely. And in yeah. a similar way, good have to say a lot in a few words 
they have to be vernacular, at least close enough that the person who's singing it can do so without, what did that mean again? They have to be, it's in their heart language. Mm. Uh, it's a bonus if it can be poetic. And there's some some analogies and illustrations that help you really connect with it. It's when it's metric as well. So you're not like, okay, where does this word go in this tune? And of course, I'm a big fan of this. I don't know if you guys are rhyming. I I love <laughs> hymns that, that rhyme. The hymns that have slant rhymes, I'm like, all right, I'll tolerate you. But the ones that can just <laughs> really get that perfect rhyme, or at least a really close rhyme, those are the hymns that really resonate with me when it comes to the actual, actual words. So to answer your question about connecting it with sermons, all of these have similar concepts where sermons have a similar aim and goal to what hymns do, but they're just in a, a concise form. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, that makes sense. I do think about like the, a few things that you said so far in the interview about, um, about, hymns being for today and obviously the preacher is preaching yeah today right for the congregation to be edified today that yeah. means it's going to look a lot different from say 50 years ago or sound a lot different. i like that to say mean- that a sermon needs to be both timeless and timely it has yeah. to be for that yeah. occasion and yet there needs to be an element that transcends mm-hmm. time as well Absolutely. And and I was just going to say, it doesn't mean that a sermon from 50 years ago isn't edifying today, yeah. um, but there is a, a context in which it was preached. And so I mm-hmm. never really thought about that in terms of of hymns, but I feel like you raise a theological point in my head that's sort of related to the next question in that I think I thought of this as well. Yeah. If it's analogous to preaching, we obviously have certain criteria for who should be doing the preaching. Ah, I see where you're going. Um, And and in this modern day of like music industry professionals, there's some debate on who should be actually writing hymns. Now, we've discussed the old way on this show a lot because we love the old ones. We love John Mm -hmm. Newton and... And it's just amazing to me that he would write a hymn every Sunday, just like that was oh, part of insanity. his getting read it. Yeah. Huh? That's insanity. Can't do that. I, it is It is insanity, but it did show that connection between the responsibility of having to teach and then calling the congregation to respond in song. Yeah. So I guess the question is, who who should be writing hymns nowadays? Mm. Well, my answer is the only right answer. <laughs> and I know you're going to agree with me, although you might chuckle. Christians should be writing hymns. <laughs> because I don't really care too much about who writes them as long as they are Bible-submitting, gospel-believing, Christ-following Christians. And I mean, it doesn't really matter whether they're a pastor or not a pastor as long as the person who's writing it is doing so because of their own personal relationship with God and not because it's just a thing to do or their family does it or, mm-hmm. or I got to have something to sing on Sunday that th- these need to be actual texts written by heartfelt believers. 
and those that those hymns are not only our expression of love and affection to God, but they're also forming us. So when we write hymns as hymn writers, they have to be forming who we are and making sure that we not um, retrieving and bibing theology or biblical content that is actually unbiblical. That being said, I would love to more pastors write hymns. Yeah. I have two or three pastor friends who tend to write hymn texts or psalm texts. And I just, I love it. I, I don't necessarily think that I'm going to use everything that they out in my church, but who knows, you know, maybe my grandchildren someday are going to be singing Pastor Joe's hymns that, you know, oh yeah, back in my day, I knew him, you know, he was a pastor mm-hmm. in Saginaw, Michigan or whatever, you know, I, I love yeah. the fact that this, this camaraderie exists across ba- uh, boundaries and things like that. So that Christ is present in the songs of our church and in their church, and maybe even all across the church. That being said, that there, there is a mentality that persists that necessarily love. I wouldn't say that it's unbiblical or bad, but th- there's a lot of temporary type musicians who they write songs because they want to go on tour and they got to have a new set of, of songs. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, it's the reason why I, I want to, to have a, a hymn text for us to sing on Sunday that I can't find one. No, sure, I can write one up or something mm-hmm. like that. So there's nothing wrong with that. But we also need to keep in mind that there's a, a church element more than just a Christian broadcasting. There needs to be a, a local church element because the hymns for churches, songs, I should say, for churches, have a different quality or genre or feel yeah. about them than the songs you might hear, even from good Christian radio. Now, there are exceptions for that. Um, you know, Keith and Kristen Getty and Stuart Town, and they, they make both work. I, they're amazing. I know you've had them on the show, and it's just amazing how they do both. They have songs that minister on the radio and in your Spotify and your iTunes or whatever, and they are singable in the church. But pastors have the unique privilege of staring at the Bible for our end and making illustration and making application and, and making sure that the theology is right and the application is right. Mm-hmm. So take those same tools, I'd say, pastors, and put them together so that mm-hmm. pastors can be the, the leaders of the church's theology. Um, have you guys ever heard this quote before? Um, it's by uh, Albert Barnes, uh, the old commentator from 100 and something years ago. I think he stole it from somebody else, but that he who is permitted to make the hymns of a church need care little who preaches or who makes the creed. He will more effectually mold the sentiments of a church than they who preach or make creeds and confessions. Hence, it is indispensable in order to the preservation of the truth that the sacred songs of a church be imbued with sound evangelical sentiment. Is that familiar to you guys? Have you heard that before? not heard it but i'm gonna adopt it <laughs> there you one. go mm-hmm. i think i've heard something something like that before definitely not yeah. that exact quote but something like that before and i think i think it it 
I think what I'm getting at with my question and what you're kind of helping me process right now with your answer is that there is a responsibility to the hymn writer for that congregational setting that Mm -hmm. maybe requires some oversight, fidelity to scripture, something or the other. It has to, it's more, it's more than just, I think if you think about context, you got like Christian radio, right? Or you have, uh, you have your own home devotionals or Mm -hmm. your own just journal, or you're just singing a new song every day because of the joy that God has given you. And, and, and there's so many contexts for which you can write, um, or create songs to sing in praise to the Lord. Um, but you're right, and that quote is right. What you sing is what you're going to remember oh, yeah. about who God is. And if that's mm-hmm. if that's whack in terms of <laughs> theology or doctrine, then you're going to be remembering and, and yeah. embedding these false views about God in your, so let me go, in your worship. <laughs> let me go one step further and say that it's not just a pastor's responsibility to write hymns. Maybe that's too strong of a word. A pastor's privilege to write hymns. I'm not sure that every pastor has a responsibility to do so. But mm-hmm. I think every pastor, as you just said, is an overseer, is the leader, meaning the elder of the church. Mm-hmm. So he has a responsibility to choose, at least have some hand in choosing what songs a church sings. Mm-hmm. Now, I realize in bigger churches, you know, you might have a designated music pastor or something uh-huh. like that. But at very least, the, the pastor or pastors of church need to have some oversight there because you're forming what the people sing as they walk out the church service. Yeah. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin not in part, but the whole is nailed the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Mm-hmm. They're going to sing that way easily. Then they're going to like find some small phrase or that you used in your, your sermon as a pastor. That's just the mm-hmm. way it goes. Mm-hmm. I think I can count on one hand the times, the number of times a church member has come up to me and said, you said this in my sermon, and that's just really been resonating through my head. It, it hardly ever happened. But Aww. all the time, <laughs> people would say, oh man, that song you had us sing Sunday, I'd never heard that before. That was amazing. Thank you for introducing that to us. That's a wonderful duty of a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure it'd be encouraging if people said that about your sermons as well. So if you're listening. <laughs> well, that's not my goal. So my goal is not to impress, but just to serve. So. No, no, not to impress. But obviously the word preached is, you know, I think it's like the meat in the worship service. It's like, you know. Yeah. That's you right. got I think your bread and do. your cheese and your lettuce and you got the meat, you know. Sermon. <laughs> I, I don't know what it's like in the States, but I think in the UK we do have a culture where we don't really give feedback on sermons. Like oh. you might say, oh, that was a good sermon, pastor. And then your pastor's like, how? How was it good? What was it exactly that you took away <laughs> yeah. from that? Like, it me. is good to be specific if you're giving your pastor feedback. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. I was also wondering, like, because you said it's important to get the theology right, you also said that it's good for people to try and write hymns. Yeah. But is it important that we're careful not to come to it to kind of, I don't know what the right word is, 
casually you know how like every teenager writes angsty poetry Ah. (laughs) but like not like that Mm -hmm. so when you're writing hymns it's more than just kind of like I'm just blurting my feelings onto the page like we should have a bit more do you think we should have a bit more um care I'm not forming this question very well sorry (laughs) yeah exercise care in in writing hymns yes um but that being said it matches your spiritual maturity oftentimes so I've had some wonderful, well-meaning Christians who have said, I wrote this hymn in my devotions. What do you think? And I have to be really tactful in what I say um, because I want them to keep doing it. And yet it's not necessarily worthy of being sung that way. And mm-hmm. so pastors have a little bit higher of a standard and they, they need to say, we are forming the doctrine of the people who are sitting under our ministry. Yeah. So I love it when... Um, either I send out a request, a plea to other friends and pastors and say, Hey, I'm this hymn text. What do you think? And they just chew it to pieces. I mean, they're like, well, that's wrong right there. And that's wrong. That's perfect. <laughs> exactly what I'm looking for because we don't want to feed something that's unhealthy to our yeah. children, so to speak. We want to give them food that is healthy for them. And I think a pastor can, but must be very careful about what he gives his congregation to feed it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just going to jump in there with a tiny anecdote before Cara asks the next question. But I remember um, at my old church in California, there was a psalm um, or like a, it was a modernization of a psalm. It wasn't like strictly the psalm um, that we would sing. I want to say it was 51 and you're going to laugh because it's probably definitely 51. But it's like a line in there that says like, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Okay. And my pastor was like, look, I love this song. It's fantastic. Obviously it's based on scripture, but I get a little itchy to sing it because, you know, it's that concept that the Lord would take his Holy Spirit from us. And he was, he was feeling uncomfortable about, you know, I'm sure that was in response to his congregation and, you know, the, congregation that he was in charge of, not wanting to confuse people who are struggling with who the Holy Spirit is and how he lives within the believer. And so that's one of those weird things I've always kind of reflected on that and and that weight that he had as a pastor and Mm -hmm. even singing what's in scripture, how we have to be careful, the maturity of the congregation or the specific struggle of you know, certain people in the congregation not to confuse them theologically because it did have a nice hook and you would walk away thinking, take not your Holy Spirit from me. But obviously we don't believe that that's the case for the believer in, in the Reformed tradition. Um, yeah. But just a, just a side note in what you were saying that made me think of that. Yeah, it's a sober privilege was. of preaching of directing, leading, overseeing a church of God. I mean, this is the people that died for in this particular place at this particular time. And uh, no pastor, myself, takes that privilege lightly because you don't want to screw it up. Thankfully, we have the good shepherd, the great shepherd, who's going to perfectly shepherd, and he he makes up for all of our faults. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, So the next question I actually want to add, a tiny bit to it, but don't panic. Um, 
<laughs> so <laughs> in what way is hymn writing helpful for pastors specifically? But since you mentioned that other people should try writing hymns, how sure. is it also helpful generally to mm. other Christians? Yeah. All right. So when it comes to the past, the pastor should hopefully, as he's writing, be humbled that he gets to write hymns and he has the privilege of doing so. I mean, mm. even go a few hundred years and um, Isaac Watts and others like those were pretty risque and having hymns for the church and not using Psalms. Yeah. So the fact that we can have that privilege is, is cool. But then at the same time, how humbling also is it that no pastor can single-handedly provide the church's hymns or psalms. It's, it's impossible. Uh, like that, that I didn't know that the hymnals and hymns exist from previous eras. There's no way that I'd be able to, to write everything myself. So it, it's helpful in the sense that it, it humbles you saying, wow, we have to learn from others, we have to lean on others. And I have to utilize the God's gifts to the church, not just in our setting throughout the generations. I think hymn writing is also helpful to the pastor in that it shows how to apply a truth to people's hearts. So since I've, there have been many times where I've thought, oh, man, I'm just really struggling with application. And I have all these rubrics that I can use to help with application. But I'll tell you what's helped me more than say is pulling open a hymnal and saying, what did Wesley do here? What did Watts do here? <laughs> What did uh, Spurgeon do here? Spurgeon wrote a few hymns as well and mm. saying, okay, obviously knew how to get to the, the marrow, so to speak, and say, ah, this is what's really going on here. And this is how mm. it really needs to, to, to divide into your soul and spirit, as Hebrew says. So it shows that opportunity. It also gives an opportunity to serve the church in this particular text, co context, excuse me particular context in that I don't have to think about is the church in England in the year 2070 going to sing this? I have to think about that. I just have to think, will Mercy Baptist Church on June 12th, 2022 benefit from this? Yeah. And they can, will. And then also as far as for the, the hymn writing pastor, it reminds a pastor, myself included, that first and foremost, we're followers of Christ. Mm -hmm. We're children of God. We're believers, repenters in Jesus. We're not a pastor first. All of those things about pastoring, overseeing, and eldering, those all comes after the fact. Yeah. So writing a, a hymn as a, as a pastor is helpful because it fixes our eyes not on the sermon that's to be not on the people that are sitting in the pews or in our case chairs. It focuses on who God is and yeah. of course how it applies, but I am in Christ and that's the most important part. Did that answer both sides of the question? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, so what is some good advice for church leadership as they try to kind of Decide which musical resources are best um, for their Bible studies, devotional, Sunday services. Like, what's some what's some advice that you could could share with us? Oh, how much do we have? <laughs> I uh, 
obviously have thought a lot about this. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people who are becoming for the first time aware that this is something that needs to be thought about more carefully than, than has been previously. And so, uh, instance, we have a local pastors group who a few years ago, I was asked to address this very subject. Okay. What, how do we help our people sing best? It was something like that. How to, how to help the congregation sing well, which is basically what your, your question is. How do you know which musical resource, how do you help them to sing best? And I, I, I put together a few thoughts and ended up speaking for 45 minutes or almost 50 minutes um, to this little pastor's group. And I, I felt really bad that I had uh, taken so much of their time. So I will try not to do that with, with you guys. But first of all, you got to sing musical resources, use musical resources, songs that are doctrinally true. And mm-hmm. sometimes you might think that a hymn, maybe even an old hymn is doctrinally true. But then when you look at it, you're like... Mm, I, I don't know about that particular phrase. <laughs> and there's reasons why people have changed certain lyrics and even Wesley's and Watts's hymns, because yeah. you're like, yeah. wait a second, is that really what Paul meant or what Jesus meant or Peter mm-hmm. or whoever? It's got to be doctrinally true. Um, it also has to, to resonate with, with the people. For instance, when I survey the wondrous cross on which Prince of Glory died, you're like envisioning Jesus there in these words, my richest gain count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Well, that resonates. You want those mm-hmm. songs that resonates with your congregation. You also want songs that are easy to. So when I first came to my church, there were just 10 people left. It was a church needing revitalization mm-hmm. and we're making great progress on that by God's grace. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're still a small church and I have mm-hmm. to think very carefully about what songs to sing so that the people can actually sing them. Mm-hmm. A song may be a fantastic hymn, like um, the one that was made famous, at least to me anyway, I was made familiar by Capitol Hill Baptist Church in DC. Lo, he comes with clouds descending to the tune yes. Helmsley, mm-hmm. the Helmsley tune. It's hard. I just yeah. knew there's just no way that our congregation is gonna pull that off. Mm-hmm. It's, we just, we're too small. I don't have enough instrumentalists. It's just not going to work. Yeah. So you got to have songs that are familiar for, for, for your church. You could also say that next, you as the pastor or the church leadership um, need to pick the best songs from the church, capital C, for your church, lowercase c. So regardless of the, the era, whether it be an old hymn or a new hymn, choose Songs that your church knows and your church loves. Yeah, you want to stretch them like I mentioned earlier, and you want to make them learn or have them learn stricken, smitten, and afflicted. Do you get that in the UK? Not sure. I don't oh. think so. Oh, so you guys look, look that up and suggest that to your church leader. Anyway, all, right. all that's being said, you got to stretch them a little bit and say, okay, you don't know this one, but you need to. Yeah. That, those songs that that I have introduced to some of our, our younger members of the church, they have said that that's one of their favorite hymns. It was written by Thomas Kelly in like the early 1800s, if I remember right. That's 200 years old. And yeah, it's one of their favorite songs because of, of how it communicates to them. And next, I'd say, utilize a hymnal. Even churches that aren't big into hymnals and don't have them in the chair rack or the pew rack, and you know, use a hymnal like this 
psalms and hymns of reformed worship from the mm-hmm. UK. Mm-hmm. Um, or um, one our church uses the Trinity hymnal. This is the red edition from 1990, all nice. organized thematically, topically. Or if you want to use a Psalter, this is the best one available in my opinion, but I'm biased because I had a hand in editing it called New Psalter. <laughs> and nice. utilize those and say, let's sing songs that are the best that I would never think to Google, look up, but they're in a hymnal and I might as well yeah. take time to look mm. at them. And then even if you end up using them, utilize good hymns of the previous era. And I don't just mean the Watts and the Wesley and the Crosby and the Havergals of, of church history past, but even people of the previous generation of the modern hymn writers. So when we tend to think of modern hymnody, we tend to think of Keith Getty and Stuart. They're superb. I, I just mm-hmm. can't tell you how superb they are. Every time I try to write a hymn and then I find out written something on that subject, I'm just like, oh, come on. What, what's the point? They, they, they've already knocked it out of the park. But that being said, the previous generation was actually the first wave of the modern Reformation with people like Timothy Dudley Smith yep. and Michael yeah. Perry and Christopher Idle and David Preston. And those people we can glean from and, and benefit ourselves from, even if we don't end up using many or any of their hymns, because they, yeah. they in some way, shape, or form are the, the shoulders that we're standing on directly in our current era of modern hymns. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's probably more than you wanted to know, but um, that's some of my thoughts anyway. That was super helpful. I think very super helpful information that I think a lot of just regular folk who aren't in leadership like me would uh, would take on board, especially when it comes to just kind of going through a hymnal and appreciating all of the yeah. all of the curation that's happened from Christians past and in, and learning new hymns and, and finding some funny ones as well. Uh, we've, we've had an episode on some. On yeah. Some fun the one ones on cows. You, was yeah. that you did that one? <laughs> yeah. We, yeah oh, that we was had, great. That was another one too. Yeah. So it's just, it's just lovely to benefit from the saints, um, including yourself. So thank you so much for coming on and giving us uh, your take on, on worship and uh, and singing for the Lord. Where can people find you? Where's the best place to find you? To find my hymns, the best place would be just my blog, dustinbattles.blogspot.com. Excellent. And I suggest if you're listening and you haven't heard of Dustin, you should definitely go check out his um, hymns on his Blogspot website, which we'll have linked in the description. And... Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Bye. Bye. Bye.